No, I'm not running away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do spend a lot of time in places that are really ugly. I am in the hospital a lot visiting people, spend time sitting in emergency rooms and doctor's offices. I go to the jail. And these are ugly, depressing, fluorescent lit, plain. There's something in common. Any space designed to contain, contain a human being. I'd go so far as to say that some of the slave cells I saw visiting plantations this summer before I went to General Assembly down in New Orleans and some of the concentration camps and our prisons, and yes, our hospital rooms all share this distressing quality. I know you have felt it. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's an immunologist, thanks to her, Esther Sternberg. She has done research on what happens to us physiologically in these forsaken places. And she's calling out the hospitals in particular because they are not healing places. So she has been the impetus for all this research that shows it takes beauty. It requires beauty for a place to be healing. So I may be gone during the day visiting someone and uh, come back in traffic, and when I turn that corner down on Sheridan and my car begins coming up the drive, and just as it takes that very first turn, and all of a sudden you're in the balcony, the, the, not balcony, the canopy, that's the word I want, the canopy of trees, I can physically feel myself, my heart slowing down, my shoulders, which I didn't realize were up here, kind of do this, my grip on my steering wheel is less, And immediately I start thinking like Yadni's story. Uh, I start noticing how something has changed since yesterday, the last time I was here, or I'm imagining a different season when it was slick with ice and I could see through all the trees or they were just beginning to bud out. And I'm changed. And my experience is when I'm in nature, I'm able to put down my baggage. and experience life in a completely different way. My thoughts have changed. And that's exactly what Esther Sternberg discovered, that she's the one who did the research. Um, I can't remember the operation that people were having, but half were put in a hospital room with a big window that looked out onto a wall. I don't know how many of you have been to St. Francis lately, but there are lots of pink walls or people who've had an operation and they're looking out over nature. 
And not only did they heal more quickly, but the rates of their maintaining their health changed. So that's what we do here. Beauty is healing. And you can put your baggage down. Beauty can catch you unawares and completely change your thinking and your ideas. So, of course, it's October, and our theme for the month is beauty, and we're going to talk about it a million different ways. But it's right and proper that we talk about it here at church. It's been a philosophical concern for millennia. The Greeks... The Greeks asked three main philosophical questions. Epistemology, how do we know what we know? Ethics, how do we know what is true and right and fair? And then aesthetics, how do we know what's beautiful? What's beautiful? And then with that beauty... I think for today, let's talk about it three different ways. There is natural beauty. And all the scientists who've studied this, the environmentalists and the ethicists and the immunologists, and note that there seems to be something in our DNA that we really don't even have to think about it when we are in nature or come upon a beautiful person or animal. It just is an instinctual change. But then there's the beauty that humans create. There are the statues and the paintings and the music, the composers, the architecture. You enter a space. You know the churches have been working with this for forever and temples that, that they, you walk in and you're completely inspired and think differently. And then there's moral beauty. that feeling you have when someone says something to you that is compassionate, is understanding, is forgiving. You witness someone doing something kind. We pay attention to all those stories of what's happening in Puerto Rico and Florida, the fires in California, Houston, the stories of animals and humans being saved and people going out of their way, strangers, descending on a place and bringing all of their tools just to help people escape and rebuild. That's a kind of moral beauty that's inspiring, like, oh, I could do that too. So the Greeks, when they were talking about beauty, they were talking about the Greek word for beauty, at least in the Second Testament, the Greek Testament, the Koinea Greek, means ripe, perfect. And I think that's, that's good and true. I uh, went to the farmer's market yesterday, and I have a hard time not buying every single vegetable knowing that we're not going to eat them all. <laughs> but look at this absolutely stunning, not an eggplant, it's a pepper. 
Look at that. It's perfect. It's ripe. It's what? Wait. Then there's this red one. That's whoa. Wait. Wait. No. No. This yellow one. It's so fragile. That yellow. It, it's it's a tentative yellow. So there is that beauty that is classical, right? Perfect, symmetrical, the golden mean from that animation we saw. But I'm also interested in what sociologists call the familiarity of liking. Meaning once you get to know something or someone or find out an extra piece of information, something that was actually disgusting or annoying to you, becomes beautiful. I hate to reveal this to you, how quirky I can be, but I have been collecting rust. For decades. I'm going to pass them around because they are beautiful. I like figuring out where they come from. I've made people stop so that I can climb through barbed wire and rescue a piece of rust that's entangled. Or stopped on the street and kind of said, can you hover so I can pick up what maybe was once the tail end of a muffler but now is flattened and exquisite. I have the top of an old, um, some kind of old humpback rusted car from the 40s that uh, I, I, am, I am proud of my rust, treat it gently as the beauty that it is. <laughs> so I want to talk about this transformation. Oh, oh. I, uh, it hangs on my fence outside a window in my house. So this notion of the familiarity of liking, that once you know something, it changes it and makes it more beautiful. So I'm interested in these two dynamics of beauty, that we play with both of them. And the beauty of nature means we have to pay attention to nature. We take it for granted that we're surrounded by beauty from time to time, and it's when we go, <gasps> that we literally are transformed. But it's this darker side of beauty, this thing that disgusts us, perhaps, or we want to push away. The more we know, and I keep thinking of, of Brian Stevenson's, the more we get proximate, the more we approach what, fear, what we fear, the more beautiful it becomes. So that reading about being surrounded by beauty becomes even more true. That everything ultimately is beauty. And I don't mean this in that sappy way of everything is beautiful. Uh, because of course we have to have moral judgment but I would make the case that we make our judgments way too early and we make them from too far away. Those people who are strangers, who are different from us, look different from us, live differently than us, have made different choices than us. 
that when you get proximate, when you get curious, it becomes beautiful and you understand in a way. Um, Jesus talked a lot about beauty. Blessed are the meek. But I wanted to read to you a story. So there are lots of stories about Jesus that are not in the Bible, that didn't make it into the Bible. And then there's also a whole world of stories that because he was a prophet to the Muslims as well, they have a whole scad of stories about Jesus that many of us have not heard. And there's a 12th century Sufi poet who tells this story about the good and the true and the beautiful. Jesus and his disciples are walking down a street in Jerusalem. Or perhaps it was a field near Nazareth. Or perhaps it was the road just down the street from you. Anyway, they came across the remains of a dead dog. Oh, God, exclaimed one of them, not realizing what he said. (laughs) As he covered his nose and his mouth with his robe. The stench is disgusting. Another gathered her robes up around her knees and ran away as fast as she could from the decaying carcass. And the third was quite fearful and just tiptoed away. You know how death does that. And as they were all leaving, Jesus, who had not moved, stepped closer and got closer, got proximate, got curious, and said, what beautiful teeth you have. They are as bright as as pearls. So that's what I'm wishing for us, that when we see beauty, we stop, breathe it in, acknowledge it, it will change you and your thinking in that moment. And when you come upon that stench, be it moral ugliness or human-made ugliness, or even natural ugliness. That fallen tree, those flowers that have died in your vase. That you stop and look for the beauty there. Because it will change you. May we walk in beauty, as the Dine or Navajo say. May it be so.